The best advice I can give you is make sure you know what you want your money doing for you. And if it's a good fit, it'll accomplish what you're trying to do. And so first, before you reach out to someone, take five minutes and just think about it. Grab a legal pad. Think about what what do you want your money doing for you? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Mark Willis. And today we're digging into misconceptions about his area of expertise. And I don't want to get too specific here in the introduction. I want to make sure you hang on so we really dig into the meat of things. And he's going to get into it right when we kick it off. But we're digging into his area of expertise and how he helps people grow their wealth and misconceptions that are out there from some of the other people who are in that area, how he plays in the investing space. And you're going to understand here just in a minute. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on commercial, multifamily, and self-storage investments. If you'd like to learn more about investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and we will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, once again, our guest is Mark Willis. We're going to dig right into it. Let's go. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you, your business, and your background, can you tell us about what you do? Sure, yeah. And thanks again for having me back on, Taylor. It's been an awesome adventure since you and I last spoke. I work with clients all over the country to help build real wealth outside of Wall Street, help them take back some control over their finances and do it in a way that's safe, predictable, and helps them become their own source of financing. And that's maybe what we can dive a little deeper into today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that you kind of queued that up for us. And we'll, we'll dive into it. For the listeners out there, we're going to talk about life insurance and how you can use that as part of your strategy and the cash value and everything. And, and just give a little background. We've talked about this on the show in the past. And my opinion on the space is that from the folks who, who sell it, and this is not yourself, not including yourself, but there's a lot of hype and maybe dishonest sales practices around this particular strategy. I was hoping today that we could go through some of those things and shed some light on the reality or some of the aspects of it that are maybe a little oversold because it can be a useful tool. I know people who use this tool personally, and I've had private conversations about it that they have mm-hmm. no vested interest in selling the product. But you know, I still don't like some of the dishonesty that I see in the space. So let's dive into it. First, for our listeners out there who don't know what it is, can you give us a quick, you know, couple minutes summary? Yeah, sure. Strategy. Yeah. And hopefully nobody unsubscribed when they heard the words life insurance. Uh, but <laughs> right. uh, you know, if we could be talking about any other asset class right now, I would be. I am a certified financial planner. I love thinking about finances from a holistic perspective. And life insurance is about the only thing that can really kill the mood at a cocktail party or a backyard barbecue. <laughs> so if we could be talking about anything else, that'd be great. But it so happens that there's only a, f- a really very few assets that allow us to do the things that banks allow uh, are, are allowed to do. So let's talk about how you can use capital as collateral. The only other thing that I'm aware of that can do what this can do is a HELOC on a home. And I'll explain that in just a minute. So let me just high level overview, then yep. we'll give it back get back to you know dishing some dirt as we were just talking about. 
So whole life insurance, if it's designed a specifically designed for cash value, cutting the commissions, raising up your cash value, the cash in the policy is liquid, accessible wealth. And it grows on a predictable and even guaranteed basis. Now, it's not going to wow us with double-digit returns. We might get into that soon. But it's a nice, steady, predictable, and even guaranteed increase of our cash every year, which helps us keep up with inflation or even beat inflation. It's liquid money, as mentioned, and it's accessible with no tax due. Now, that's going to be really helpful for us if we believe taxes might be going up in the future. And we can borrow against the cash value and get money from the life insurance company and allow us to continue to compound the wealth in the policy as if there was no loan. Let me say that again, slightly different. When I borrow, let's say I've got $100,000 in cash and I borrow out 80 grand to go buy a rental property, my policy will still grow on the entire 100,000 bucks and I've got the rental property in my name and I'm collecting rent from that and, and the appreciation on that property and all the tax advantages that come with real estate like you know so well. Taylor. Mm -hmm. So that plus it's life insurance. So I can leave my family more than I saved for them in the contract. So that's uh, four things, guaranteed growth, tax-free access to money, liquid money that we can access, and it's a way to become our own source of financing as well. Great. I appreciate you summing that up. Now, my concern with this, if that's all well and good, right? my concern with the industry that I see out there having learned about this is some of that is, is a bit oversold and maybe not really describes accurately, you know, when, when folks are, are pitching it. So from your perspective, let's dive into that and talk about what you see, things that are maybe misconceptions or being stated wrong or anything along those lines in that, in that industry. Yeah. Well, as a certified financial planner, I act as a fiduciary for my clients. And so I don't recommend a uh, policy like I just described, carte blanche. It needs to be really what you're trying to do. And it has to align with your interests, not the other way around. You know, if you gave me Tiger Woods golf clubs, I would still hit a 300, <laughs> you know, because you got to have the right swing, not just the right clubs. In fact, while we're on the topic, if I could just switch my bowling score and my golf score, I'd be probably pretty great at both sports, <laughs> actually, Taylor. But yeah, case in point, we've got 400,000 life insurance agents in the United States, 400,000. That's, That's one for every 800 Americans, roughly. And how many deaths per year? across. That's the way I would kind of run that. Oh, number. Yeah, but anyway. yeah. yeah. And how many of those were life insurance agents? <laughs> so uh, we would need to have about uh, one agent for every 800 Americans and would be evenly spread out. Now, the question really is, do all 400,000 life insurance agents that are currently licensed in this country, do all of them know and are they experts in what you and I are talking about today? Answer is no. Probably 99.9% .9 of them have no clue what we're talking about here. And the trouble is everybody can start a YouTube channel and everybody True. can start a podcast. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're entitled to their own opinions, but not their own facts, as my mom used to say. But it, what, what really bugs me and what I think concerns you too is that this is real people's money here. And there's all sorts of names for what we're describing today. All right. So there's infinite this and, you know, wealth family banking that and, you know, private wealth reserve this and 7702 account that. The Black Book of Income Secrets, the, the Reagan Secret Account, the list goes, you know, the Rockefeller Account, the list goes on and on and on. And none of that is a, a legal or a official title. You know, there's no official title for this in the tax law, you know, sort of the tax advantages that come with it, right? But it's not like the 401k, which is 401 subsection K of the tax code. There are different parts of the tax code that relate to life insurance. But when you start to describe something, 
on YouTube, like it's uh, been handed down from Moses from the mountain, you, you really have to be careful because if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, your question was, hey, so what are some of the downsides and risks? Well, let's just get them right out on the table. It's life insurance. So there's going to be some expenses to buying the policy. Case in point, if you put in $10,000 into a savings account, you're going to have how much? 10000 bucks and two cents, right? At the end of the year. If you put if you put $10,000 into real estate, none of it's liquid, but maybe it's generating some income for you. Uh, if you put 10000 into a brokerage account or 401k, you could have 20000 You could have zero. We don't know because the market could go up do. or down. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or somewhere in between. If you put $10,000 into whole life insurance, if it's designed this special way, you probably have somewhere between six $6,500 and $8,000 of cash value. So right there, we lost lost some money to the quote, expenses unquote. of the life insurance, quote unquote. Yeah, you can't see that on a podcast. <laughs> I get, I get. So you put in 10, you have somewhere, let's say seven grand is liquid accessible cash. And what was it we bought? We bought a death benefit. Okay, so for that three grand that's missing, where did it go? It went to go buy a death benefit. That death benefit might be three or 400 grand, depending on your age, depending on health. And then the next year, if you were to throw another 10 into that policy, now it goes up. Let's say it increases to 15,000. So from seven to 15, that's an increase of eight grand in from year one to year two. So as you can see there, Taylor, it's becoming more efficient slowly. Somewhere around year four, as you're throwing 10 grand a year into the thing, now in year four, it increases by $11,000, let's say. So at that point, we put in 10, we got back 11 in that year. The increase of our cash value was 11. So you know, we're still digging our way out of that ditch that we made in the first few years. But now it on net, we might say that there was no net expense at that point for the policy. So it's usually around that point that you start to see this thing become really meaningful for most people. Even so, you can still use the policy's cash, that seven grand that I mentioned earlier. We can use that in the first year to go buy yourself a nice vacation or go, you know, fix up the HVAC system on a rental unit or whatever you want to use. But it's that slowness, it's that boring growth over the first few years that I think some people don't notice or at least aren't ready for. And it's that unmet expectation that I think folks need to know about going into it. Maybe I'll pause for a minute, Taylor. What feedback thoughts do you have so far? No, I think that's that's helpful and that's a good point. So it, it you're just emphasizing that we need to be thinking about the the longer term, but there's also that drop in the first, in this case, I think you said it was the first four years that the cash value is essentially less than you're putting in initially until it starts to, the policy itself starts to appreciate to the point where your 10 grand that you put in every year ultimately is still like exceeded by the appreciation of the policy, if, if yeah. I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And it's not unlike real estate. It's not unlike starting a business, you know, but you have to be prepared for that expense. And I think when when it's oversold, it's we quickly overlook that expense. The YouTube influencers are quickly overlooking that expense to get you to the shiny object, which is, well, hey, if you borrow from this and invest in that, then won't you be you know, better off? And technically, that's true. But you also just have to remember that you are buying a life insurance contract for the long run. And to, to think that you're tricking the insurance company by swapping this, no, that's just not going to happen. So don't don't buy it for the shiny object. Do it for the long term. It's a long term wealth generating tool, and it does provide the benefits we've been describing. But it's not not like it's a magic pill that can solve every won't solve it won't cure cancer. Let's just say that. 
if only that would be that yeah. would be pretty <laughs> sweet and uh you know as i've gotten older my thoughts on personal my personal situation with life insurance and all that you know i'm i'm getting married soon so my perspective on the the potential implications of my own death has definitely changed over time when you're a single dude with no uh you know not married or anything no dependents well you know it sucked to die but yeah. nobody's going to potentially be homeless as a result of that there you go mhm but anyway well that you know and, and i think mainly that the the tool might have its own expenses costs risks considerations let's say but i think the real issue is more the person who sets it up and also takes care of it for you and and I liken this to the elevator. So when you when you want to get in an elevator, it's oftentimes you get in, you see that little placard that says certified and managed and serviced by X, last serviced, updated X, you know, and you most of the time don't pay attention to it. But all you do is you get in the elevator and push a button and up you go. And we take for granted the fact that all of those elevators are serviced by somebody who's licensed and trained and certified, but there is nothing like that for the quote unquote infinite, uh, let's just call it the the banking strategies that you hear about on YouTube. Okay. There's nothing like that except for one program. And that's why I've kind of tied myself to that, to that wagon, you might say. There's a there's only one certification program called Bank on Yourself Professionals. And I went through that certification. It was about the hardest thing I've done next to my CFP. Wow. that I received. It took me about three years to get it. They ruthlessly examine the work I do to make sure I'm I'm doing it right. There are at least 29 characteristics that I have to like look for in the policies and the products that we recommend to clients when we do bank on yourself. It's called bank on yourself. And, that, and that's distinguished from all the other you know folks out there on the interwebs talking about this. And it's sort of like the USDA organic of this part of the financial universe, whereas most other things might be all natural, if you know what I mean. Anybody can use the words all natural, but if you want <laughs> USDA organic, you got to get the seal with the green and the white and the letters on it. That's sort of how I've become, I guess, familiar with Bank on Yourself as a way to protect the general public from getting a an elevator that doesn't go up when you push the button. Let's just say that. <laughs> In fact, it might be a lookout below. I've seen some people who thought who thought they had uh, one of these policies, but it was tied to the stock market, riddled with fees, losing value every year. You know, hitting them up for you know double digit interest when they borrow from their policies, and the policy was going to lapse. One gentleman in particular, he's in the real estate space, and he's been public about this. When he met me, he had an, a policy that he thought was one of these special type policies that you know this banking type policy, but it was tied to the market. It was losing value every year. He was pumping in 50 grand a year into the thing and it was still losing value. And within three years of him retire, of when he was planning to retire, it would actually completely run out and it would, it would lapse and all of whatever gains had been built up in that over the years would have become immediately taxable to him. And of course, his agent had long since moved on and you know he had no clue that this was about to happen. We had to dig into it, he and I. And thankfully, we transferred that money out through what's known as a 1035 exchange and put it into a properly designed policy. Have you heard of a 1031? Yeah, I I'm have. Sure you oh, have. 1031. Yeah. yeah, but 1035, <laughs> that's new. Yeah. Let's, yes. let's learn about that. Same too. thing as a 1031, except with life insurance. That's all. Hmm. So it's a tax-free transfer from one. So if folks have one of these, if they've heard of this before and they went ahead and signed up with their they're um, one of the 400,000 life insurance agents out there. 
and they and this agent was not a bank on yourself professional and you feel like it might be worth at least a second opinion, we can do a double check. I've looked at probably a thousand of these now over the course of the last 11 years with different folks from, you know, different walks of life and sometimes they're perfect and we just say, you know, good luck and well done. Other times, like this poor gentleman, it was a nightmare waiting to happen. So thankfully, we we course corrected and transferred it through a 1035 exchange to a correctly designed policy. Nice. Okay. Okay. So when uh, we're coming up on time here very shortly, but you know, when somebody comes to you uh, and they don't have one of these policies yet, when they they come to you and think they're interested, what are some just the two, three either signs that it could be a good fit for them. And then I think almost more importantly, like red flags that mm, now you might want to look at something else. What do you think about that? Yeah. The, you know, the best advice I can give you is make sure you know what you want your money doing for you. And if it's a good fit, it'll accomplish what you're trying to do. And so first, before you reach out to someone, take five minutes and just think about it. Grab a legal pad. Think about what what do you want your money doing for you? You know, grab a list, put and and try to avoid labels. Don't write 401k, don't write savings account, don't write real estate. Maybe you just start with adjectives. Passive income, competitive rate of return, liquid access to money, secure and private away from creditors. If I get sued, I don't want people coming to get it. I wanted to avoid public disclosure when I die and I want it to privately pass to my family. I want to be able to use it as an asset on the balance sheet when I need a loan from the bank. You know, just write yourself that little list and then reach out to somebody. And we did make a list of the 20 features, characteristics that true bank on yourself designed whole life policies need to have. Uh, We put it on our website. We put it on episode. I'll get it for you. It's on our podcast website, uh, which is notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. And if you want to know why to work with a bank on yourself professional, and what kind of characteristics you'd need, uh, you'd want to make sure you go listen to episode 159, 159 of our podcast to get that list. Cool. Okay, great. So it sounds like, and once again, we're kind of running up on time here, but initially when I had previously or originally heard about this strategy, it really sounded like it was a way to build up basically a big life insurance policy, but I didn't see the translation into I mean, I I hate to sound selfish, but I want it to do something for me while I'm alive. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. work hard to get this money, but it's becoming more apparent that that is viable, that that can happen. Yeah. I've just personally speaking, I've used my policies to wipe out all of my student loan debt. That's pretty cool because it was six figures of debt. I used it to go on a month long trip to Hawaii with my wife before my daughter was born. That was pretty cool. cool. That was especially cool because we got a dividend notification while we were on the beaches of Hawaii telling us that our <laughs> policy had grown like we had not gone on the trip. That was really cool. <laughs> uh, we've used it for real estate syndication deals. We've used it for medical expenses when we had a medical need. Uh, we've used it for our down payment on house and and we look for, and for our business investments and so much more. So yeah, it's it's about, again, not here to oversell it. I think we've talked clearly about the the considerations and time that you really need to consider this before you jump in. It's more of a marriage, less of a dating, you know, and and yet it becomes more efficient for me every single year I keep these policies. And they they have become a central piece to my overall portfolio, but it's not all we do. And it shouldn't be everything for anybody. You know, it's a part of the overall picture. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm glad we uh, dove into this today. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. 
The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Mark, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, but you've been on the show before and you've answered those questions. I got three new ones for our returning guests. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is your favorite book, whether business or personal related book? Well, you know, I've I've absolutely loved Lord of the Rings, but uh, since, ah, since we're looking at, and, and I can't tell you how I feel yet about the Amazon stuff that they're putting out. I, I'm just not going to go there for this episode, <laughs> but I, as far as business books, you might have heard of this. It's uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. What a great book. What a great book. If you've not read it, check it out. The Road Less Stupid. Great title. Great book. That one's been recommended to me many times. I haven't quite gotten around to it yet, but it's definitely on my list. So we had your favorite book. Now we move on to what is a tool, software, system, piece of technology, or something in your business that you could just not possibly live without? There's a little app. It's probably three bucks a month. So affordable. It's called Text Expander. And boy, what a cool little tip. All you do is type a few little you know, characters on your keyboard and it'll pre-write your entire email that you wrote months ago. It'll pump it right <laughs> into your email again. And it saves me, literally, it gives me a report. It tells me I save about eight hours a week using that thing, which is, that's like a full day right there. Wow. That's a new one. I've not heard of that before, but Text Expander, I'll check that out. Last one, where is somewhere that you're excited to go in 2023? If I could make it to Italy, it seems like everyone's going there. So want to go see where the party's at. Nice. Love Italy. I've been there a few times and uh, more than happy to go back someday down the road and think you're going to enjoy it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Well, thanks. If you are on the search for some kind of answers, the true answers to what we've been describing today. If you want to find out if just a second opinion on your whole life policy or other policy that you might have, or just want to get a little more detail and clarity on your financial future, I can help. Go to kickstartwithmark.com. That's kickstartwithmark.com. We can have a quick 15-minute chat and we can decide if this or other tools would be the right fit for you. Great. Wow. Thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.